0: What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo, and we are back for another episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. And, of course, I am joined by the million-dollar man himself, the Hall of Famer Ted DiBiase. Dad, what's going on, man? Ho, ho, ho!
1: (laughs) Merry Christmas! (laughs) And a very
0: prosperous new year,
1: (laughs) as the million-dollar man would say it. (laughs)
0: fantastic stuff especially coming off the heels of our last episode where you bought santa claus never thought it would be possible yeah uh, you know
1: like i say everybody's got a price
0: (laughs) (laughs) well look it's uh speaking of the last episode and all the episodes that we've done thus far this year this is going to be our last episode of the year and believe it or not ted uh you and i have been nominated for an award uh so our podcast is wow. named a finalist for the 2024 best wrestling podcast by the sports podcast awards and man what an awesome honor it is we haven't we haven't been doing this a year but we're being recognized for our work wow that is awesome
1: and a lot of that work is your work <laughs> <laughs> your, your hard work i mean it's kind of like and i told melanie this i said i said marcus is good i mean i said he he goes up and he he digs into things and I, he's
0: he's bringing up stuff that I had totally forgotten. Well, look, it's uh, this podcast would not exist without you, brother. I could not be more happy to be doing this work, and uh, you know, especially be getting recognized for for both of our hard work because uh, certainly I don't do it alone. And I just want to tell our audience, if you're listening to this and you've enjoyed our show, we need your help to win. So please go to my social media or Ted's social media. We both posted about it and click the link to cast your vote for us. It only takes a couple of minutes and it would be an incredible honor to, to win this award. Less than a year into our podcasting journey. So uh, you can find the link on my X account at Marcus P. D'Angelo or on Ted's social media at MDM Ted DiBiase. Go and cast your vote right now. Um, So speaking of supporting our show, I have to do my usual reminder about subscribing to our uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash chat. Everybody's got a pod stories that you will not hear on the podcast are over there and we drop them as YouTube exclusives every single Monday. So, uh, again, if you're enjoying what we're doing, you're missing out on big chunks of the story from Ted. Just go to youtube.com forward slash at everybody's got a pod. Go get subscribed right now. Uh, all right. Let's get into these listener questions, Ted. I mean, boy, did they bring it this week? Uh, okay. Yeah, we will we'll get through as many as we possibly can and we'll roll the other ones over to the next time. So here we go. We've got Johnny Rose up first. He asks, being a huge fan of British wrestling, I'd like to know Ted's memories of teaming with UK great Pete Roberts in Japan. Any memories he may have of other British wrestlers over the years?
1: Um, Pete Roberts is a great guy and a, a great wrestler. He had his own style. And, uh, and I did on occasion have uh, opportunity to tag with Pete in japan and of course yeah but it was um the japanese style of, of wrestling is a little bit different too mm-hmm. you know and, and uh but i you know i to, to best answer your question is like yeah pete was really good and pete was very good at adapting to the japanese style as i had to as well adapt and uh uh, and again, when you're in Japan and you're a gaijin, gaijin means foreigner, then you're the heel. <laughs> <laughs> you're the heel, you know, and, and, uh, uh, unless, of course, uh, the fans and, and sometimes can, will turn you babyface, depending on, you know, your, your work. But, uh, no, I, i had a world of respect for Pete and, uh, very good. You, unique, unique style. And I, I guess I would call it a more British style. And I enjoyed it. I thought it was great.
0: Stuart Duncan is up next. If you didn't become a wrestler, what would your ideal profession have been? So, Ted, backup plan, anything else stick out to you?
1: Well, I grew up in the wrestling business. My father was a wrestler. My mother was a wrestler. That's how they met, by the way. My mother's wrestling name was Helen Hill. Uh, you can look her up if you're a big wrestling fan and she was a beautiful woman Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and she also knew how to sell. (laughs) She (laughs) was a good female wrestler. Uh, But I grew up in this business and um, I, the other thing, I mean, because my dad was not only a wrestler, but played football at the university of Nebraska You know, and, uh, you know, Nebraska has just really gone down in terms of it's, it it used to be, I mean, it was kind of like Ohio state every year. Ohio state is in the top five somewhere or the top 10 somewhere. That's the way Nebraska used to be. it's, it's not anymore. And that's sad to say, and I, I don't know why, uh, but I was big football fan. And so, um, you know, had I, you know, I, I had early on, I had visions of, you know, uh, you know, going to, and I did go to college on a football scholarship, but I, I realized in college uh, that I was not going to be NFL material because I'm, I was pretty slow. As a matter of fact, one day, <laughs> one of the coaches looked at me and said, Dibiase, I love your tenacity but dang it, we're gonna to have to start timing you with a sundial. <laughs> <laughs> and so what they did, because I was recruited as defensive tackle, said we're gonna move you to offense and give you the benefit of the snap count and an assignment. There you go. You know, because those offensive linemen, they know right when to go, you know, and you know, and what their assignment is. And so uh but as they told me that the thought also passed through my head, I said, Well, I guess I won't be going to the NFL. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so your your plan initially was I'm gonna play in the NFL. And then after that went away, you're like, I'm gonna be a professional wrestler. Meaning yeah. there was no there was no safety net, no backup plan. You're like, this is what I'm gonna do for a living. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, if you just hindsight now, Ted, of, of right now, looking back, if neither was an option, you couldn't be a wrestler, couldn't be a pro football player. I mean, is there some profession that you're drawn to that maybe you feel like you'd like to do for a living?
1: Well, no, Al, no, I guess because my brother, my older brother and my older brother, Mike is uh, extremely intelligent. i uh, near genius IQ. And, uh, um, you know, I think he got a, uh, what his, you know, he had a master's degree in psychology, uh, and he was a teacher and he, you know, he could teach college level mathematics, ma- mathematics. Wow. And so, uh, I guess my thought was, you know, like I, I might not be a teacher like that, but you know, I looked at myself as being probably, a, you know, uh, a teacher of some kind
0: and a coach. Okay. We've got another long question here next, but it's one that I've seen asked quite a lot um, since we've started the podcast. So it's finally time. Jonathan O'Dwyer asks, as critical as Ted has been of ultimate warrior through the years, still in the self-destruction DVD, he said that warrior respected Ted's knowledge of the business and he never personally had a problem with him when they were working together. And in Ted's book, every man has a price. He said that warrior was one of the guys he said goodbye to when he left the, the WWF in 1996. So my question is, does Ted have any good memories of spending time around warrior? It sounds like it wasn't all bad back when they were working together and the animosity grew in retrospect. I wish they had buried the hatchet. Uh, yeah. Well, it's kind of like
1: when I, and again, and I've said that, that I, I had no, I had no use for the guy because he didn't respect the business. Um, he, it was kind of like, uh, I'm, you know, yeah, I had all the respect. I mean, to have a body like that takes a lot of discipline. Yes, Not, you know what you eat and, and and how you train and how how dedicated you are to it. So I, I I respected that about him, but what angered me is that he came into a business that has been a part of my life for my entire life, and he disres he, he disrespected the business. He didn't. Have, it was kind of like wrestling was a means a means to an end for him. I don't ever remember a time, I don't ever remember saying anything about liking him. Right. Uh, I did not like him and and that's i mean there's there's you know what other i mean he i did did i know him personally enough no and i don't think anybody got to know him personally enough because i don't think he tried to get to know anybody personally enough right you know it was kind of like i'm telling you it was a means to an end and you know um you know, the only thing he had to do with with where I was concerned is, if he's in the ring with me and I'm the heel, you're going to do what I tell you when I tell you. Uh. you know, and you know, uh, and I put, you know, like so many others, I I put him over. It was my job. You know, and in in that respect, you know, uh, we didn't have a problem because, you know, if if he'd a if he'd have done anything out there. You know, you know what I'm saying? If he, if he just took it on himself, he said, no, we're going to do it this way. You know, I would have said like hell we are.
0: Maybe that's what. So, I mean, the quote here that this guy has from that DVD about Warriors that you said that Warrior respected your knowledge. And maybe that's kind of what we're driving toward here where it's like, OK, he respected you enough to defer to you whenever you were in the ring with him and say, do exactly what you say when you say to do it out there. Right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so this whole thing, it, it really stuck out because I was like, there is just no way that Ted was, like, you know, putting over Warrior in any capacity. So that's yeah. interesting. Well, and, and,
1: you know, um, and, again, um, what fans don't know, fans don't know. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, uh, okay, let's I'm – a, I'm a huge football fan. I'm a huge professional football pro. pro professional football fan. So mm-hmm. uh okay as a kid growing up, you know, um, uh, Dick Butkus, number 51, the uh, you know, defensive uh middle linebacker for the Chicago Bears. One of the toughest SOBs ever. And 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 had the reputation of being just a, you know, I, I don't think there's anybody that didn't respect Dick Butkus you know and i don't know anything about his personal life or his personal history i and i don't know I, you know and it's like i, I and, and, and it, uh, what i'm trying to say is this it's like here's this guy who was a phenomenal football player but in re, but in real life you know how do i know that he wasn't a jerk right <laughs> or how would i know uh if, if 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 all his teammates thought he was an asshole and i don't think that's true either I just, you know, it's just like all I know is what, what I saw on the field and, and what I what I respected as, as a kid loving football. You know, uh, 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 Dick Butkus was one of them. And uh, well, there was another one, Ray Nitschke. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, Packers for the Green Bay Packers. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. Uh, but you just never know. To your point, it's it's kind of like separating the art from the artist. Where I think that a lot of fans look back on the Warrior and think of him really fondly because they're like, "Oh man, you know, I had this toy of him as a kid, and oh, I remember his promo, and it was fun because I didn't know what he was saying, but it didn't matter because I'm excited because he's excited." You know, like a lot of people felt that way about the Warrior, yeah. and it's like, well, and, and and you know, and and
1: and I can't fault fans for that
0: because
1: right. they they don't know they don't know the backside. Yeah. You know, you know, but, you know, but you go, you go ask, ask 20 wrestlers that were in the business with him, what they thought of him. And you're going to get the same answer from all of them.
0: I've I've asked enough folks over the years uh, to have convinced me that maybe not a great dude. And look, I mean, you are one of the most affable, kind, easy to get along with people I've talked to in wrestling. And I feel like if it's probably not all that easy to piss you off. And he certainly managed to. So it's uh, it speaks volumes. Well, yeah, know yeah, what, what?
1: You know what? The piss me off part was, you know, like, you know, just kind of a, a, an arrogance. Or you know, like uh, like a, I don't give a shit attitude uh, about. In other words, like, uh, okay, I respected the fact that here's this guy. Oh my gosh, what a body! And and I understand how disciplined he had to be to look that good. Yeah. Okay, but that apparently he thought was all he needed, because when he got in that ring, if there wasn't somebody like me. On the other side of that ring, who could lead him by the nose? He was helpless. There was now he was. It was like, okay, tell me, Marcus, what did you see the Ultimate Warrior do in every single
0: match you ever had? Oh man, like the shoulder block, shake the ropes, get shake blown the up the, of the ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's it. That's about it.
1: That's it. Yep. That was yeah. his, yeah, and that's that's what he could do, and and uh, and and you can, and I don't blame any fans for for being a fan of the guy because you're a fan of the character, you know, and he's this he's this wild character, this great big bigger than life guy, and 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 in uh, and, and his promos, you know, <laughs> he was. the big, for me, it was funny. I was like, he, he talked for three minutes, and I, I'd stretch my head and go, what did he say? It was
0: incoherent, and, <laughs> but you know, so admittedly, I'm you know, when I'm a kid, it's like, hey, this guy's got this crazy hair and he's super jacked and he's wearing all these you know great colors. And so, when I'm a kid, I'm like, I'm not thinking about his work rate, I'm not thinking about how long the match is. He comes out and he squashes somebody in like 30 seconds and shakes the ropes and he's excited. And so, as a kid, I'm watching him, and I'm like, I'm excited, like, look at this guy, he's crazy. Yeah. And, but you know, as you get older and start to see like a guy like you or a guy like Jake, guys who like really knew what they were doing in the ring it, he just sticks out like a sore thumb like hold it. he's awful he is an awful wrestler like not yes. good at all yeah uh, but yeah it's you know it's you know catching people at the right time in their lives you know for me i'm i'm whatever five or six so I was like yeah I love this guy but you know now that i'm an older man i'm like oh he's awful he's not a good wrestler. you know and i don't
1: know and you know i'm not you know uh i can't remember now
0: when did he die he died 2014. And what did he die of? Um, I believe it was heart failure. And it was, <clears throat> if, you, if you remember, uh, he appeared on Raw. It was like the night after WrestleMania. He came out on Raw and he did a promo. And uh, he was wearing like a plastic warrior mask and like a trench coat. And then, you know, he took off the mask. And he was very, very red-faced during this promo. He just didn't look well. He looked like sweaty after cutting a promo. And then here, lo and behold, it's like the next day, I believe he was in the airport, and I want to say it was Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, suffered a heart attack there and died, you know. So it's, I I think that he was difficult or pretty hard on his body with all the the stuff he was putting into himself to get so big. And well, yeah,
1: there's there's the deal there, it's kind of like uh, um. And I don't, I, I, I can't remember. I, I know that they eventually started testing uh, guys for, you know, steroids and stuff. But
0: I don't know if they were doing that at the, at the time that the Warrior was with us. But They uh, did. And what's funny is, uh, you know, Warrior went away for a little bit. And then I believe he made a return in like 92 or something. Um, so, yeah, he had a falling out, I want to say, in like late 91, left the company came back in 92 briefly and then you know back in 96 as well and like very very distinct difference in his physique where it's like it was very clear that they had made some mandates when it came to steroid use like he he went from being this giant bulky huge guy to like very muscular still and, and ripped uh but very lean uh, same yeah. thing happened to Hogan. You know, if you, you look at Hogan from the eighties the versus the nineties, it's like still very muscular guy, great shape, but nowhere near as big as he once was. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so you can see the effects of the steroid trial. Um, okay. We can hammer on sandal Frostburn, If that is your real name asks, Ted, have you ever wrestled Ricky Steamboat or Tito Santana one-on-one? And if so, who is better in the ring? I think Tito doesn't get the credit he deserves. So who is better, Tito or Ricky?
1: Um, you know, Tito and I go way back. Tito Tito Santana, uh, his real name is Merced Solis. And... Uh, he was the starting tight end at West Texas state and we played football together. Mm -hmm. That's how far back he and I go. And a matter of fact, and I can't remember who broke him into the, in the, in the wrestling business. But the first time that I went to New York, we went together and I ended up staying a shorter time. And he stayed a longer time, and uh, and I think this is you know this is back when you uh, know the the old WWF you know it was like I'll be honest I was I was surprised at at the matches you know because a lot of the matches I saw didn't meet up to my standard or anybody's standard in any of the other territories it was like all these great big muscled up guys but the matches were i don't know they were just easy to see through Mm. in my my opinion and 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 anybody else i think that was very much involved with the wrestling business it just was not as believable Um, i don't know that tito and i actually I, I don't I can't recall us. We were a tag team. I don't
0: I can't remember if we actually wrestled each other. I think you did because I know I've seen a picture of you two out there. You're both very young in it, and he's got you in a headlock. Um, so that that picture yeah. is going around out yeah, there, maybe yeah, yeah, maybe
1: a baby face match, yeah, yeah. I know, you know, we did because I mean it was a big deal because uh we both went to West Texas State and now that that's that was the thing was like these two guys who played football together are now going to be you know going head head to head against each other in, in a wrestling match mm-hmm. uh yeah so you yeah. know but i i would I would say you know I would give the I'd give the edge to to a Ricky steamboat i I only had one match with Ricky steamboat and brother we tore it down and you talk about a guy i mean it's like for me it was like being in heaven (laughs) because here's a guy i mean like instinctively just the, the the things that he did instinctively that i could read and vice versa i said oh my god if i could have had a if i could have had A program, you know, I mean, I mean, when I say a program, that means, you know, you know, you have the initial contact where you you really screw the guy as a heel and you screw the baby face over really bad. And then you you have a series of matches that build to ultimately a a cage match or a whatever type of match. And I never I, I wrestled him one time and loved it
0: i mean you can't go wrong selecting steamboat man the some of the classics that he's been involved in incredible and i mean it speaks volumes you've worked you worked with him one time and you can make that judgment call that says an awful lot about ricky and his skill yeah the holiday season is in full swing we are just about to hit the new year and if you're like me life is pretty busy right now my wife and daughter are home on their christmas break We've got family coming and going, a bunch of activities, and there is a true need for nutritious, flavorful meals that we can enjoy without having to deal with a ton of grocery shopping or preparation. Well, a Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, has got us covered for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals that are coming right to our door. Gone are the days of grocery store runs, no need to do a bunch of washing, chopping, or preparing. Factor's got us saving time and staying on track with a healthy diet as we try to keep up with this crazy time of year. Seriously guys, Factor has been an absolute game changer in my house. A delicious meal that I don't have to prepare and can enjoy in just two minutes. Are you kidding me? Time is pretty much the most valuable commodity there is, and Factor is hooking me up with fresh, never-frozen meals that I don't have to leave my house for. And if you want to hear the best part, how about this? A wide variety of different meal options. With Factor, you can choose from 35-plus chef-crafted meals every week that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences. Whether it's calorie smart, vegan, veggie, protein plus, and more, they have got you covered. We try to be calorie-conscious here in my house, especially this busy time of year when it can be so easy to go grab some fast food or some quick, unhealthy meal. With Factor, we've got delicious, dietitian approved calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Or, if I'm looking to bulk up a little bit, pack on a little extra muscle, they have Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. I'm hitting fitness goals and keeping myself in shape despite the delicious cookies that seem to be showing up at my house every single day. And by the way, Factor is not just for dinner. You can count on extra convenience any time of day with an assortment of 55-plus add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes. You can choose from quick breakfast items, lunch to go, grab-and-go snacks, and ready-to-drink cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. They have got you covered with convenient, nutritional, and most importantly, delicious options any time of day. December's almost over, but before it is, get factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered straight to your door. Ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com EGAP50 and use code EGAP50 to get 50% off. Again, that's code EGAP50 at factormeals.com EGAP50 to get 50% off. Trust me, guys, no dishes, no prep ready in just two minutes. You are going to absolutely love Factor. Give it a try. Use our code. Save 50% one more time. It's code EGAP50 at factormeals.com slash EGAP50. Go right now. Um, all right, we'll do a few more, and I'll let you go, Ted. We've got Donald J. Simmons who asks, based on storylines only, which was your favorite territory to work in? Which, based on response, not money, was your most successful feud? So two questions there.
1: Mm. Uh Based on storylines,
0: so yeah, let's start there. He asked, based on the storylines, uh, which were which was your favorite territory to work in? So you had some great stuff in mid-south, but man, a lot of the stuff you did in WWE is phenomenal. You and uh, as we've talked about, Tommy Rich, some really good stuff, so you could go a lot of different directions here. Yeah,
1: pick uh, one. Uh, um, golly, um. I would probably have to say because it was most memorable for me was that, you know, uh, I had been a baby face in Mid-South from the very beginning and I had left Mid-South and come back to Mid-South. I was still a baby face, but when I turned heel on Junkyard Dog, mm-hmm. that was probably in terms of, uh drawing and you know money making, you know for territorial wrestling uh that was the best. I mean that that's you know my heel turn on JYD you know I'm like oh my gosh I can remember, I can remember I think I told this story but I think I remember telling uh, the story that I I went to Grizzly Smith who was the guy who was like the agent. He, he showed up at the show in New Orleans and this is, and, and it was specifically New Orleans because the, the crowd in New Orleans was, you know, about, about 90%, you know, black and they loved JYD, right? And they up until that time, they had loved me. <laughs> so I told Grizz, I'm not driving my car to New Orleans. He said, why? I said, because it'll, it'll be on blocks or it'll be torn up. You know, when I come out and he says, uh, okay, I I, I get that. He says, well, you ride with me. I'm neutral. Mm -hmm. So I rode with him, JYB and I go out there and, and and of course, you know, we do, you know, he, he just beats me from pillar to post and the crowd's going wild. And I, I slip in and load the glove and knock him out. And we'll see you next week, draw another crowd. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, uh, So I go back and I'm showered up and everything. And Grizz comes walking in the dressing room, puts his hands on his hips. And he's looking at me and just shaking his head. I said, what's wrong, Grizz? Just shaking his head. I said, something wrong with the match? He said, the match was great. I said, so what's wrong? He said, they slit my tires. All four of them. (laughs) I see. I said, they only slit your tires. I said, if I'd have driven my car, my car would have been on blocks. They'd have taken the tires.
0: <laughs> so it's, uh, you kind of answered his second question there, because the second question was, which, based on response, not money, was your most successful feud? So I would say that you know, if you if you're inciting a crowd to put you know slash yeah. people's tires and beat up on cars, uh, that's that's a pretty successful feud. It does make me wonder though, Ted, if we go the other direction and we say, okay, from a money making perspective. What was your most successful feud? You don't have to give me any figures, but who do you think you drew the most money in your career with?
1: Wow. Man, oh, man, oh, man. It's got to be in WWE, right? Yeah, it's like... uh... And I was, I was, you know, I was the heel from the get-go there, Million Dollar Man.
0: Who all did I re- who did I start off with there? Do you remember? Well, I'm so, I'm, I'm trying to, th- you know, obviously they always say like you want to be the heel in the main event because that's where you make the most money. So I, I'm trying to think, okay, who is he main eventing with? Well, and I uh, yeah, gotta uh, be Savage I, Hogan. Okay. Uh,
1: WrestleMania 4 was my first WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and I, you know, ended up it was a tournament to declare a new champion, and that was because I seemingly had bought the title from Andre the Giant. and uh, The main event there was me and, and Savage at WrestleMania 4. Um, and I think as far as a, a, a significant because it changed so many things. Basically, I changed Randy, who had been a heel. You know, I came in and, and made him a baby face in one match. Mm-hmm. And so that one match, you know, was, uh, uh, you know, it was the springboard for the rest of my wrestling career. You know, me and Savage at WrestleMania four. Uh, and, uh, and the, and the really cool thing about that is we had this, we had this great match and that was the first time Randy and I had ever wrestled each other.
0: You guys tore it down. And, uh, actually we talked about that and it would have been the second episode of our podcast. for. Yeah. Part- Want to go back into the archives and have a look. So, and then following that, you and Savage, as we discussed, you guys would continue a program. And I mean, we're talking about SummerSlam '88, the cage matches. Uh, you know, you're kind of working the loop with him. Is that that's got to be the most money you made? Yeah. You know, over the course of your career, right?
1: Yeah, I would say so. Yeah,
0: that's that's a hell of a good run. Okay, a couple more quick ones, and we're all done. Rob Sykes asks, "Who is the biggest cheapskate in the WWF or WCW?" who was the cheapest guy you traveled with or saw, you know, cutting corners?
1: (laughs) Okay. um, Oh gosh. uh, I'm going to say Savage. (laughs) I mean, Randy was notorious for, uh, I mean, there would be times where like we'd fly into Chicago and we'd be, be there for like, we'd like, we wrestle in Chicago on a Friday night, Saturday night in Milwaukee, Sunday night in Green Bay, and then drive all the way back to Chicago, uh, you know, and to get on a, a, a flight out the next morning. Well, by the time you get back to Chicago from Green Bay, uh, it's, it's late. And I mean, I mean, and, and Randy wouldn't, He wouldn't get a hotel room. He and Elizabeth would sleep in the rent a car (laughs) because he was too cheap to get a room.
0: You know i I didn't even factor in Liz and all this. I'm like, oh yeah, savage sleeping in his car and then you said he and Liz so he's forcing his wife to sleep in a rental car <laughs> <laughs> I was in, that is next level cheap. Wow yeah.
1: and uh, so I mean yeah, Brandy was pretty tight. It was notoriously tight. <laughs> did
0: you ever do that thing? I always hear about guys over the years uh, who would see who could stay in the worst, cheapest hotel. Did you ever do that or not for you? I tried not to. <laughs> <laughs> Jake told me about staying in a $6 per night hotel once. And oh man. Oh gosh. Did not sound. I'm going to tell you,
1: I'm going to tell you what, you know, right here, in Jackson, Mississippi, where I live, well, I don't live in Jackson. I live in the suburb of Jackson, but, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what, there was one hotel and, and Jackson was not a, a a place where you often, we often stayed over anyway. And when we did stay over, we, we stayed over like at a, um, at a, you know, it was like in in uh, uh north, going north on highway fifty five there was a, a a pretty nice hotel there, but this one, for whatever reason, every hotel in the dang city was was full. there was something going on, and we had to stay in this dew drop in that was right right on the borderline about the worst part of Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, <laughs> It's kind of like, you know, you can hardly sleep for wondering if somebody's going to bust through your door. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember the name of it. You know, like the do drop
0: in. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, man. It's some of the places I've heard about. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. Last one, and I'm letting you go. Uh, Jimmy asks, what is your favorite food and which city has the best? Ted, I'm from Pittsburgh. Have you ever tried Primanti Brothers?
1: Have I ever tried what?
0: primanti brothers sandwiches the famous pittsburgh sandwich oh
1: yeah uh, pretty good pretty good pretty dang good but my favorite food well ah uh, you know you know being raised in, a, in an italian family uh you know uh lasagna mm. Spaghetti and meatballs, meatballs, uh, spaghetti and Italian sausage. All right, that's a killer. Yep. Uh, But you know the other, you know, of course, now now the other, the other half of my upbringing, I spent a large portion of my life in Texas and in Arizona. So uh, you find me a good Mexican food restaurant, and I'm there. Ooh, enchiladas and tacos. You know, and it's not Taco Bell.
0: No not down there. I'll uh, Taco bell, but
1: no, it, yeah. Uh, we had this, there was this one, the one restaurant in, uh, Benson, Arizona, which is 35 miles from Wilcox, Arizona, where I went to high school. Mm-hmm. Benson, Arizona is only about 50 miles from a very famous Western town, Tombstone.
0: Ah, okay.
1: And, uh, so uh, ben, Benson and, uh, Yeah, there was a, uh, my grandmother's truck stop was on the west side of Benson. And she had this great big sign. I mean, you could sign, I mean, it it looked like the size of a full 18-wheeler. And and that's what it's in the shape of an 18-wheeler, Marie's truck stop. On the other side of Benson, on the east side, going towards, back towards uh, Wilcox, uh, was Jesse's Mexican food. My grandmother would call Jesse's and, and order us like a whole pan, like a, a whole pan of like, you know, uh, beef enchiladas and and all, and, and the whole works. So, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, you know, Italian and Mexican. Yeah, that's me.
0: Now, what city had the best Italian that you've had? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Um, oh man what Let's York see. you know what I would have to say New York and I, I'm trying to think I, I I know I went to it was a really nice place in Manhattan that we went and I can't remember the name of this place save my life it was so long ago um but i do i don't remember the name of the place but i remember one night that would when, when we were in there eating and having a few cocktails that you know there was a, a back room and and all of a sudden you know i guess everybody was getting ready to leave from that back room and 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 and, and right through, through 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 and and past us sitting there and out the door was uh, john gotti
0: no way <laughs> huh yeah 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 (laughs) that is crazy yeah well look if John Gotti is eating there you know there's some damn good (laughs) Italian food there (laughs) (laughs) oh man oh we're not gonna beat that Ted that's gonna wrap us up for today I'm hungry now so we've gotta go (laughs) okay (laughs) Um, but uh man there's plenty more questions left we will roll them over onto the next one so don't worry folks Um, Next week, we're going to be back in action with WCW with a look back now to January 1997. So our first look at 1997 and WCW. So uh, also, you guys all know what that means. We're going to be talking about the infamous sold out 1997 pay-per-view with Ted on commentary. It is a really fun, ridiculous pay-per-view. So we'll be discussing everything that happened there. Uh before we do go, I want to remind you all that if you'd like to get this podcast with no commercials and get access to a ton of sports, entertainment, and other shows, get over to premierstreaming and sign up for Premier Plus. If you're a wrestling fan, you are gonna love it there. There's so much content. Again, it's Premier Streaming Sign up for Premier Plus today. If you're enjoying our show and you're listening on your podcast app, do us a favor, like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. It helps Ted and I out a bunch. Also, do not forget to vote for us. For the best wrestling podcast of 2024 through the Sports Podcast Awards, uh, man, that's going to mean a lot to Ted and I. Follow Ted at MDM Ted DiBiase on all of his social media. Follow me at Marcus P D'Angelo on X and follow Premier Streaming Network at Watch on Premier on X and at Premier Streaming Network on Instagram and Facebook. I love doing these Ask Ted anything's. Uh, we just never know where what direction we're going to go in. And now I'm salivating because of all that food talk at the end. So uh, I, I love getting to uh, take these different avenues with you, brother.
1: Well, that's great. I, and I, you know, I, I'm loving this too. But as, as we go, as always, I have to remind all of you fans out there, uh, I can't ever end or begin the show without reminding you that everybody's got a price for the million dollar
0: man
1: (laughs) and have a very happy and prosperous new year
0: (laughs) absolutely happy new year to all of our listeners we appreciate all of you guys and we will catch you next time right here on everybody's got a pod